Here's another limerick for you. The podcasters known as the G-Men are two gents that I wish I could see when they are having a blast on the MyMac podcast, but alas, tis never to be. Amen. MyMac Podcast 322, out of gas. You're listening to the G-Men on the MyMac.com podcast. Welcome to the MyMac.com podcast number 322. Gaz is not here tonight, but I'm, uh, fortunately you were all spared me trying to do a solo show again because that worked out so very well. I've got Scott Wilsey here. Hey, Scott. Hello. Yeah. And, and as an added bonus, and you know, you may question the term and meaning of the word bonus, we also have Owen Rubin. I'm not talking now. <laughs> <laughs> oh come on, Owen! Uh, I I kid, I kid. No problem. Hey, uh, hi again. Um, yeah, hi, hi guy, hi Scott. Always fun to be here. Well, but my sound effects, but my sound effects aren't working. Uh-oh. That's okay. Uh, my Bummer. my sound effects are up <laughs> and running. Hello. 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 Okay. So why are you? Why <laughs> yeah, Anna? So this is um. This is going to be a very different kind of kind of podcast, I think, tonight. Um, b- before we start with the u- usual shenanigans, um, I-, I made a mistake last week when I was talking about Aspire's Roller Coaster Tycoon. It is not a digital download. So basically, you order it from Aspire, they send you a disc, you still have to use a disc to play the game. And uh, uh, That was one of my wrongs. <laughs> oh, was it? Really? Yeah, I tried to look to see if you could download it digitally, and I couldn't. No, you find can't. It. Neither. Well, neither could I. So, and <laughs> so, my whole argument last week is just like right out the friggin' window. But are you going to send them the money? I I don't know. Uh, you know, because all all I have to do is send them the the two discs that I have, which is the original game and the soaked expansion, and ten dollars, and they'll send me. I'm guessing a combined disc that has the game and the two expansion packs on it. You should go for it. You probably don't use the old disc anyway, right? I, I don't use because I have to have the soaked expansion disc in to play the game since I have that expansion pack installed. So I'm not even using the original Roller Coaster Tycoon 3 disc. No, I'm not. Yeah. And it's a yeah, fun game. So, have you ever played so it? Temp- I, I, I'm not on my machine, but I've been at somebody's house who's had it. And that's, that's why I thought about the digital download. Cool. Yeah, that would have been cool. <laughs> I just, uh, so, what are you going to do? I'm gonna. I'll go to uh, Best Buy with my gift card and go buy it. Uh, I'm not even sure if they if they sell it because I mean, there's not a can wide even, selection. Of can you software buy box for the Mac. software anywhere for the Mac? Yeah, well, they, they have they have some stuff, but it's it's mostly along the lines of you know iLife and and iWork and uh, maybe Final Cut Express things like that. But as far as independent games, uh, unless it's it's a dual release, and I you know I got something to say about that a little bit later. Yeah, unless it's a dual release, both Mac and PC, you typically don't see it. Hmm. 
Yeah, I would. I remember it used to be uh, Circuit City. I used to be able to buy lots of software, but I don't know where I would even go to look for software other than the Apple Store these days. Scott, do you buy software in a box? I haven't bought software in a box in a long time, except for things like uh, Final Cut Express. You know, certain things that aren't downloadable, but otherwise, it's right. it's a hundred percent downloads. Well, do you think with the Mac App Store that uh, that's going to change? As far as Apple software goes, I, I would love to be able to update well you know something like final cut pro my god how many gigabytes of data would you have to download for that i think i'd be surprised if they didn't make it available but they will probably also have to keep a boxed option for that kind of software you know for people isn't, that don't it, have isn't it like six discs or something or five discs i forget yeah, what's in the box yeah, okay. well you figure it's you yeah. know it's motion and uh dvd studio pro and uh uh what's the uh compressor as you know, right. as, as well as you know, Final Cut Pro and and all the 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 usual you know doodads that that go along with that program. Well, if it's five discs at eight times, that's forty gigabytes of data. If the DVDs are full, that's a lot to want to download. Well, I and think then I think most people call you and yell at you. Yeah, I think most people <laughs> I think most people these days have a a, a forty gigabyte uh, you know direct connection to the web, don't they? Couple seconds. Uh, uh, sure. Well, I mean, not so much. I've got I have files DSL. here. You oh, got files. I don't. Okay. How, I mean, how do you like that service? I love it. Uh, and I as far so as I know, they haven't. I've never run into. You know, I've downloaded a lot of stuff. I've never run into any limits or anything like that that I know of. But but Owen's right. With Comcast and guys like that, they will. You'll hit a limit where they'll notify you that you're in trouble. Well, so, Comcast has now set it, to, I think, to 200 gigabytes a month, so it's pretty high now. Uh, the only time I ever went over that limit with Comcast was when micro- I used to be a Microsoft developer, and they updated their library, and everything was available to download, so I started downloading all the DVDs. Right. And, and at about 407 gigabytes, I got a phone call from them saying, oh, what the, what are you doing? I used to do the same thing. That was abusive. Sorry? I said I used to do the same thing with the MSDN, and yeah, you suck down huge files. So yeah, they, they 50, didn't like that? 60, 70 DVDs. Yeah, no, Comcast threatened to shut me off if I didn't stop doing that. Have you lost your mind? Yeah, I, well, yeah, I can imagine. You idiot! <laughs> what is it, man? Uh, <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's, let's, before, before we start getting into topics, oh. let, let's go over some of the new stuff at MyMac.com, and Owen and Scott are going to handle the, uh, the, the duties tonight. Go ahead, guys. Okay, sure. Well, we'll pick up from uh, where you guys left off last time. And Eliza Pacelli released a review on Mac Journal for iPad. Now, have and have this- you spoken with with? Uh, is it Eliza? I I've been saying Elisa. Uh, I'm totally guessing here. I could be butchering her name beyond all recognition. That's okay. Uh, Gaz and I do it every week. I I we usually say Pacelli and Pacelli. We can't figure it out. Elisa, if you listen to the show, call please, in. Yeah, call in seven zero three four three nine. Uh, oh God! I can't even remember the name or the. Uh, <laughs> I can't remember our Skype number. I've said it like about a billion times. Seven zero three four three six nine five zero one, and let us know how to pronounce your name. Okay, sorry, I didn't mean to hijack. Operate, operators are not standing by. Yeah, it's, it's just Skype. I was thinking about pronouncing it several different ways, so maybe I could hit one of them correctly. I mean, you um, can edit out the wrong ones. Well, it's better than what my <laughs> wife usually calls me, so that's okay too. <laughs> So it's a it's basically a writing journaling application for the iPad, but one of the neat things about it is that uh, she was able to use it to connect directly to her blog and update her blog on blogger.com. 
with it. So it's kind of a multi-purpose journaling software. Cool. <coughs> and she, she gave that a seven out of 10. Uh, uh, there were some, some bugs. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's still pretty high. That's not bad. Yep. It means it's gonna, it can only go up from there. Hopefully. <laughs> well, yeah, if so it was one, if it was at one, it could only go up from there. This is yes. true. <laughs> I guess you're right. It could go Very down. Very good point. It could go down. Yeah. Uh, but she, next up she was, was uh, oh, sorry. Oh, I was just going to say she's of the opinion that the developer is uh, working hard. He's aware of the problems and working on them. So it sounds like it's a positive experience. As well, far it's as from it's from Mariner Software. They're, those guys are usually right. pretty good about that. They do good yep. work. Now. Yes, go Owen. <laughs> my, I've lost my cues today. It's uh, next up was this um, this podcast thing called Tech Fan. Uh, yeah, some t- some no name guy some, does some that. Some no name guys. Yeah, this Tim somebody and David so and so had this very obnoxious special guest on. Uh, <laughs> it's a trend. Oh God, it is a trend, and, <laughs> and uh, they they basically did the, the the don't do this on a podcast, and they talked about the role of government and technology in the internet. Um, it was it was pretty amusing and interesting. And no, that was a good uh, show. I listen. Yeah, of course, I listened to you know all the the various you know, without sounding like a cheerleader, all the various mymac.com podcasts. Uh, but this one in particular was was really good. It was a very spirited debate. It, it continued. I will tell people it continued after we got off the podcast, kind of laughing about where we took the spots. But uh, this is a hot button for me, and I think it it will fall into something later in the show because you yeah, guys talked just maybe on your last week's show, kind mm-hmm. of over there. So uh, yeah, it's worth a listen. It's uh, it didn't run too long. Tim kept it under control, including slapping us. Uh, <laughs> so it's it's worth a listen. Um, I'll jump to the next one real quick and then let Scott come back. Um, Tim Robinson posted an article about finally getting to play with iMovie 11. And I've got to tell you, it, it must be really good because he posted a movie about Macworld. And you would never know I was actually there. I've been completely eliminated by <laughs> iMovie 11 from that movie. <laughs> yeah, I think this was, I think, because this was using iMovie's trailer feature where you can right. you know, easily make trailers. And I think most of this footage was shot two years ago because we're wearing the MyMac shirts, which we also had last year. That's right. But Tim is, Tim is kind of blonde. He's and blonde in that. So I and, don't recall I, him being blonde last year. And I, I swear it's just Tim, you and John are the only guys from MyMac. I think that are actually there in those trailers. It's an interesting product. I'm going to have to talk to Apple about that. <laughs> about it's the new, the trailer or feature. It's the oh, Owen, wait, the wait. Owen remove feature. Hang on now. Is it possible they've done facial recognition and put it into iMovie and say, take this guy out of my film. Wouldn't that no, be a no. great feature? Owen, Owen, it was just you. What a great feature that would be. <laughs> remove this guy. Remove him. <laughs> Send so him away from me as we speak. <laughs> okay. Your turn. All right, uh, Mike Breed wrote an article about called Got iPads, and he's talking about his experience with uh, the Science Teachers Association of New York State conference that he went to. And he thought that he was going to be kind of unusual and bring just his iPad instead of his laptop. And uh, instead, he found that it wasn't unusual at all. There were a lot of people who were using their iPads to, to take notes and do things in, instead of bringing in a laptop. Definitely so, clever. It's, Sorry. <laughs> I just got back from a conference myself, about 250 very high-tech people. 
Uh, and typically, everybody in the audience has a Mac. It's really the I've seen it's more Macs than I've seen it, except maybe at MacWorld. And this year, the majority of people were carrying iPads instead of. Although they had their Macs with them, they used their iPads. Well, you know, before we go on to the next the next story, um, one of the things I hear a lot, you know, because I go to a lot of tech forums and and you have your usual Mac PC battles and all these stupid things. And one of the things I hear a lot in these tech forums from PC guys is, oh, well, the Mac is for pe- is for people that don't know how to use computers. And, and what I, or, you know, basically saying the Mac is for stupid people. And what I found is, is really kind of the opposite. You've got major, you know, major players in, in almost every single industry that use Macs because they don't want to bother with all the maintenance that was required, at least on older versions of Windows. Congratulations. Whoa. Oh, you're trying to, you're, you're trying to out-soundboard <laughs> no, me? now the sound came up. It's like it wouldn't work at all. Now it's <laughs> <laughs> just by itself. It scared the heck out of me. Uh, it's just made a noise. It scared me to death. <laughs> it's going to be dueling soundboards before this no, show is over. No, I don't have soundboard running. It was a sound app. <laughs> You'll pay for this! <laughs> I, I apologize. That scared me to death. Sorry. It just well, came you know, blasting out of my Mac. It was weird. You know, guy, one thing that's interesting in, in talking to, to people that I know that use Apples versus people that use PCs, the PC people that I know still think that the trend is towards moving to only having a laptop as your only computer. And, and most of the people I know that are in the Apple world are trending towards wanting to get an iMac and getting an iPad and forgetting the laptop altogether. It's kind of interesting. And Honestly, if I had the money, that's what I would do right now is get rid of my laptop. I think I agree with you. Get well, an iMac you know, the and whole, get an the whole, th- the whole thing about – I mean the, the reason why people chose laptops in the past is because that was the choice you had if you were on the go all the time. Yes. Whereas you know, now with smartphones and especially with the iPad and things like you know some of the various Android uh, tablets that are coming out, I'll, I'll throw them a plug. I, I got a chance to play with the Samsung uh, Samsung Galaxy. Isn't that sweet? That is a I nice. Like I mean, and I, I like didn't it. think. I mean, I kind of looked. I was at a Best Buy, and I kind of picked it up and sneered at it, going, "Oh, psh, look at this! It's only seven inches." And then I started to play with it. It was like, you know what? This is this is actually a, a very nice device. Now there were some limitations with that. I, I don't even want to go into on this right now. I don't want to turn this into another, right. you know, Android versus iOS because I don't I don't really care. I prefer currently the iOS, and you know that that's all that needs to be said on that on that subject. So uh, go ahead, go keep going. But, on. So so one comment that I will I will agree with Scott is that I think where the real trend is going to go and and to plug. Google one more time uh, with what's it called? What's their new operations? Chrome. The whole concept of, of having a computer at all on what you carry with you will go away. And I, and I think this is going to happen. Computing will go into the cloud uh, and you will have a display device that doesn't need the power of a mega laptop or a big desktop machine. <clears throat> and with your lap, with your iPad like device, you'll have everything you could have on a desktop using it as a display plus its local capabilities. And I think that's what you're going to see a trend towards too. Well, I, I would, I would sort of agree with that. I think um, that the whole reason why people were bringing laptops, like I said earlier, was because there was no other choices for computing on the go. <coughs> but now for, for the things that most people use computers for while on the road, like email and surfing the web and things along those lines, this can all be done Without having a core, you know, a, a 2.8 gigahertz Core 2 Duo or, or i3 to right. i7 right. Intel processor that only lasts you an hour and a half before the battery right. dies. So it's we- interesting. I was just I was just heard a news report yesterday 
uh, Foxconn, which is the Asian plant that manufactures iPads, yeah. is upping their production to be able to turn out 10,000 iPads per day. Wow. And they, well, that, that mean, so they said they expect to be able to hit, at the, when they continue their upgrades, to 40 million units a year. Right now, they do between 2 million and 2.5 million per month. I mean, but 10,000 a day, because well, that's what they wait, see hold the on demand a second. Is, is, that, is that only for the iPad, or is that they're kind of boosting their, iPads. their capability to also incorporate other types of tablet devices? Strictly iPads. Oh, well, I don't know if Apple could sell that many every year. I mean, it's eventually, well, it's I kind mean, of like with the iPod, eventually, eventually you, hit, you hit a saturation point. Right. So I expect at some point it, that line transitions to newer products, of course. But yeah. I mean, to tell you where Apple thinks it's going, and this company believes them, um, they said right now, sources added the iPad shipments in the fourth quarter may reach a whopping 7 million units. Hmm. It's just, it's a phenomenal thing. I, if I had the cash in my pocket, I'd go buy one. Yeah. Uh, well, I've got, I, I've I, got, I mean, I've got a 64, 64 gig, um, 3G unit and I love it. How often do you use the 3G? Honestly, I, honestly, I use it every single day. Now I, I work for a particular government agency that will go unnamed. And of course we're not allowed to have our, our own personal ah. computing devices at our desk. So at lunchtime, I you know I bring my lunch or maybe I'll buy it and there's a uh, parking garage across the street. I'll go over to the parking garage and you know just sit in my car and either watch a movie like I watched um uh what was that movie with uh Stallone and, and a bunch of the other action hero guys that just came out. I don't know. <sighs> I know what you mean but I can't think of the name. It's like the Uncorrigibles or something like that. Oh yeah, the Incur- yeah, right. Okay. Whatever. Uh, come on, iTunes. iTunes is – this computer, I swear, you know, this is a over a four-year-old – The Expendables? Yes. Yes, The Expendables. Expendables. That's – And it was it was a great little flick. I really enjoyed it. So – but, you know, I, I well, can't – Well, maybe I'll plug a product you need later because I've, I've just tested a – in fact, I have a review coming up on the second. It'll pop up on the on, – magically on my Mac for a product that you might want. Oh, really? What's that? Uh, it's a company called Orb, O-R-B, mm-hmm. and they have a $9.99 uh, application for the iPod, iPad and iPhone <coughs> called Excuse Orb me. Live. And on Orb Live, you, in fact, this is exactly what we're talking about. You, it comes with, you download a piece of software for your Mac or PC, and it makes all your media on your Mac and PC available to your, your handheld device. Oh, streaming? Regardless, regardless streaming, regardless of the format. It transcodes on the fly, and it also changes the bandwidth during that transcoding to match whatever bandwidth you're using. So if you're using 3G, it'll shrink it down a little bit. If you're on Wi-Fi, it'll make it bigger and give you better quality. And it does that but on the d- fly? It does it on the fly. Okay, and it's really I, cool. I'd have, so to, you just, I'd have to see that. Cool, so they and and as you'll see coming up, they've also got two little pucks that sort of compete with Apple TV. One of these pucks you plug into your TV, connect to your Wi-Fi, and all that media on your lap on your uh, PC or Mac now can easily be accessed on your TV by using your iPhone or iPad as a remote. Well, that would be cool. It's, uh, it's very nicely done. Sorry, I didn't mean to digress. No, no, but, no. Uh, we've well, we've, we've, the, done, we've done nothing. Example. We've done nothing but digress since we started talking about the, st- the this new is the stuff out of gas digression Mac- show. Oh yeah, out of gas digression oh, we, show. We we need to we need to finish up and get through uh, the MyMac stuff because we need oh, to sorry. take a break. So uh, after that, 
Uh, Scott did a piece on on Wait, finding who? your iPhone. Scott. Who? I, Scott? I, 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 we've heard of him. This Scott. Should probably just skip right over that one. Let me, let me mispronounce his name. Scott Wizlesay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I, could, I should tell you. Okay. Uh, Later, I'll list the ways my name's have been, my name has been pronounced. I, would love yeah, to hear that. I, was, I, I apologize, but uh, um, it, this was timely for me because I was thinking about this. That like, if I lose my iPhone or my wife loses her iPhone, how do I find it? So I had just started. You're going to you're going to laugh. I started searching Google to say how do I find my iPhone, and I got the <laughs> my Mac hit and came back and went perfect. You know, there it is. So I found it by Google search, which I think is very funny. I didn't think to just go to my Mac and look, and there it was. Well, do you uh, have Mobile well Me? Done, I do have Mobile Me. It's a very well done piece. My wife does not, but this is con- making me consider creating a family plan and making sure she has it so that um, we can find her phone as well. Well, if if it's <laughs> if if all you need it for is to find your phone, then you, yeah, this what the article is basically saying is that you don't you don't have to use Mobile Me necessarily. You don't right, but but. The other thing is she's having pro- – we have her email through GoDaddy, and it's she's having problems with synchronizing oh, email. Okay. Stuff. Yeah, and yeah, I don't Mobile want to talk about GoDaddy. It's just Go so, just so, so simple. It just works. So uh, a nicely done piece, Scott, and I recommend people reading it if you're worried about what you do about your iPhone when you la- leave it in a bar and someone starts <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. near Gizmodo. <laughs> near Gizmodo, yeah. <laughs> okay. One more. Um, and then Mike Breed has an article which I found really interesting. I'm not a musician. Uh, I'm one of those people that you know wishes they had been. But you but, play uh, one on TV. I play one on TV or in a podcast. But the article is titled "iRig and Amplitude Review," and it's basically about software that you can run on your iPhone or iPad. And it's also in conjunction with a piece of hardware called the iRig, and you can plug your guitar into that, and then you can uh, plug the other end into the iPad or iPhone, and there's another connection that can either go out to headphones or speakers. Basically what it does is it allows you to add effects to and also record your guitar playing. So it's really a neat-looking system. Yeah, um, I, I wonder how much lag there is with that. It's not bad. I actually, play, I actually played with that. That was at um, some show I was at. Was it not too long ago? They, had, they were showing this off. And it's basically all those pedals you used to buy on your yeah. iPhone. Yeah. Right, so it's guitar pedals and and effects and for amps and stuff. It's very cool. Well, I know uh, the, I the last the last commercial I saw for the iPad showed that sh- showed this this particular application. Right. Of course, we yeah. were kidding that you know it used to be a pedal you stepped on the floor. Yeah. So we don't put your iPhone on the floor yeah, don't. and step on it. Yeah. Don't yeah. No, please don't. If, if you do, <laughs> do not expect us to pay for it. You're going to test and, the limits of your Apple Care. Well, I'm <laughs> testing the limits of GarageBand right now. We need to take a break so I can save what we've done so far. So, everyone, please, Owen. We'll be right back after no, a word from our that's not it. That's not it. That's not it. Do you know what it is, Scott? No. Oh, Sorry. I you had that, you it's had a that podcast, thing from John. It's a podcast but, fail. Oh, yep. it's uh, hold on. Oh, standby to standby. Standby to standby. Hey, my Mac listeners, Sam Levin here with App Minute. If you want the latest and greatest of app news information about cool things regarding apps, that means anything application-related, 
software, hardware peripherals, iPhone, iPod Touch, iPad, Android, you name it. You got to listen to App Minute. Check out appminute.com, one of the many, many cool, cool shows of the MyMac family. All right, thanks a lot from Sam Levin of appminute.com. said that even Steve Jobs listens to the G-Men on the MyMac.com podcast, but what do they know? And welcome back to the MyMac.com podcast. I had I had meant to uh, on the, the on, in the last uh, segment I had meant to talk to Scott a little bit about you know who he is and what he does, but we got into such a weird, shall we say, spirited debate. Over a variety <laughs> of topics that had, for the most part, nothing to do whatsoever with new content at MyMac.com, but that's okay because it was still fun. So, Scott, Scott Wilsey, tell us about Scott. Well, Guy, unfortunately, part of what I do is go off and talk about things that have nothing to do with anything that matters. So, unfortunately, that's oh, part so of you work course. for the government, too. Yes. Oh, I wanted to ask you about that. Uh, yeah. You're not with the TSA, are you? I think no. maybe you are. No, no, oh, no, okay. I'm not. No, I'm not. <laughs> All right. I would really be leaving. Or am I? Especially considering your position in the last podcast. (laughs) (laughs) So, no, I'm not with the TSA. Um, I I do work in in tech industry and and semiconductors, actually. And... uh, but I started off with with the Mac way back in 1984, and I had the original 128K Mac. Oh, you 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 got into it before I did. Yeah, so I knew all about the floppy floppy shuffle and all that. And then we, my dad had one. We upgraded ours to the Fat Macs when that option came out, and Mac Plus and all that. Oh yeah, the um, Fat Mac was the what the 512K, and then there was 512K. the 512KE, the enhanced one. Right. And you know, uh, my brother Larry actually had a 512K that he took out basically a soldering iron and everything else. And, and there was like this upgrade kit that you could turn a 512K into a 512KE. And he actually did that. Didn't work for crap afterwards. He had a lot of problems with unstable as hell, but by God, he did it. Yeah. So, so well, what what else do you do? So I, I came back to, so uh, of course where I work, we're all PC centric and all that and sure. windows. And I've, I've uh, done a little bit of, like ASP.NET programming, similar to what Owen was talking about with the Microsoft platform. Uh, I'm sure not at the level that he he has, but anyway, probably higher. Um, <laughs> I seriously doubt that. So, and then I eventually started coming back to the Mac, and in 2004, I started using Macs again full time uh, at home. Mm-hmm. And I got to tell you, it was happiest day of my life was getting my life <laughs> off Windows and back onto a Mac because I never touch your computer anymore. It's so nice. So uh, you did you did you have any of the uh, the PowerPC Macs or did you jump right in when they went Intel? I did have a G4 Mac Mini, and then my very next computer was a Core Duo Mac Mini, and then from there I I've obviously been with Intel machines. But sure. So uh, yeah, so that's basically where I'm at now. We're all Mac at home, and uh, of course I still use Windows at work and and all that. Yeah, but, well, uh, so do I. So do you? So I have to ask because I. Use them both. Do you have Parallels or VMware, one of those, on your Mac? You know, I do. See, So here's the thing. When I first started back, and I think a lot of people are like this, when I first came back to Mac, I thought, I'm going to use this Mac Mini, and I'm going to play around with OS X and find out what it's like and just use it as a secondary computer. 
And I started loving it. I just loved it. And I thought, I really want to switch to this, but I, I can't. You know, I'm afraid to break this Windows spell, thing. I've the got Windows stuff spell. I need to. Well, software is expensive. And I, you know, I sure had it is. money invested into software on Windows. And I thought, I'm, I'm going to always be using this stuff. So I got Parallels. And I kept it upgraded till Parallels 4, I think. Uh, and I think Parallel 6 is the version they're on now. But I, you know what I find? I never boot into Windows at home anymore. I just never do it. It wasn't long after huh. I got that Mac Mini that I was full-time Mac. And, yeah, I made some investment in software at that point. But I I just never use Windows at home anymore. And it's been that way for probably since the first few months after going full-time Mac here. Wow. So okay. what, what, do you, what do you typically use your Macs for at, at, at home? Right. Well, I uh, of course I use it for all the stuff everybody does, email, browser, sure. and all that. But I use um, uh, for photography. I'm using Aperture three, and uh, and I also use things like Final Cut Express for editing videos and stuff like that. So uh, I do. And he writes. I do write. I wouldn't. Yeah, <laughs> we've seen it. <laughs> I'll let others comment on the quality of that writing. But um, I also actually also interestingly, when I first went back to Max, I started doing a podcast with my dad about our time in Japan. We used to live in Japan when I was a boy. And uh, so uh, you I, know, I wanted to ask you about that. Uh, where did you live in Japan? We lived uh, initially. We lived up near Tokyo in a place called. Well, not near Tokyo, but fairly near Tokyo in a place called Karuizawa, which now is a really nice resort area. And. Uh, they do all kinds of say, sports there. Yeah, because I, I mean, I, I went to Japan several times with the agency that uh, I currently yeah. work for. And, unnamed agency. Yeah, the unnamed agency. I, I went to, I was besides uh, Tokyo, I was also in Osaka and um, okay. uh, Okinawa. Narita. Yes. Not Narita. Okay. Narita's the airport. Though I did go while I was, one of the times I was here, I, I went to the, um, uh, the, the Tokyo Disneyland. I did that. Oh, yeah. And country country bear jamboree in, in Japan ja- in Japanese, in Japanese. Yeah. Japanese. so it's hysterical. <laughs> well, now you guys, now Owen, you've met me. Uh, Scott, you have. haven't met me. I am, shall we say, very tall. I'm a, I'm a very tall tall man, He's and tall. I'm, I am tall. At He's the time tall. at the time I went on this trip, I was with this I was with this uh, African American guy who was my partner on that trip. And he's like five six, five seven, and the two of us went to the Tokyo Disneyland. And at the time, my ha- <laughs> my hair my hair was my hair was relatively long, and I think we ended up being like a bigger attraction than like most of the rides and stuff. Just ha- and I was wearing. Do you, you guys remember jams? Those kind of long, long bathing suits. No, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Okay, I was wearing jams and like a tank top with my long blonde hair. And, you know, myself and, and Jeff, the guy I was on the trip with, we're just like bebopping around the Tokyo Disneyland and people were just like pointing and staring and taking pictures. And I, my time, my time in Japan was, was, I had a lot of fun, but how well I was treated kind of, now this was in the uh, mid eighties and there was a lot of, of tension between Japan and the United States, re- mostly related to, to trade. And if there were, if there were problems then I didn't get treated as well. But if everything was hunky-dory, I got treated great. But I, I love Japan. I had a really, really good time there. And I, I'm sorry you were talking about the podcast you used to do with your father. Oh, that's okay. No problem. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it's I totally relate to everything you're saying. Yeah, we, we lived up in Karuizawa for one year. Then we went down to Kagoshima, which is in Kyushu, southern Kyushu, for pretty much the rest of the time we were there. And I was there for a total of eight years, I think. Well, was um, he stationary in the military? 
No, he was actually teaching at a, uh, what, what he was doing was he was teaching at a Bible school there. And what they were doing was teaching Japanese people for, to start their own churches. Do you speak oh, okay. Jap- Japanese still? Well, it's been a long time. So we came back in 93. So it's been that okay. long. And occasionally I speak Japanese when it comes to me and then it kind of goes away. It's kind of like, it's kind of like fading in and out of amnesia. It's kind of, Oh yeah. But, yeah. That's but, how I yeah. live my life. Right. Yeah. It's how I it, tried yeah. to, I tried to learn it a long time ago. And, and what amnesia few, or Japanese? Japanese. <laughs> okay. I have amnesia. I, I was born with amnesia. Yeah. What Sometimes were you born so with? What was I talking about? I don't know. <laughs> But uh, yeah, you're right. It's like uh, sometimes words pop into my mind, but I'll go, why right. do I remember that word? <laughs> well, is, is there is there anything else that we should know about Scott? Um, I don't I don't know. It might. No, nothing that you want people to know. No. <laughs> <laughs> or actually, it's not so much what I want people to know. It's what you want people to know about Scott. But it, it sounds like you had a really interesting childhood. I'm mean, growing up in a in a in a different country. I think I was in my my like mid mid to late 20s when I started traveling and yeah. you know, I had never been out of the United States before. And I, I just kind of wonder what it would have been like if I had, you know, I, I'm guessing that you're probably younger than I am. Right. Um, I just wonder what it would have been like to grow up in, in a, in a, in a different country, but you know, being an American. Um, so I, the thing about being stared at and all that, I totally relate because especially down in Kyushu where we were at, there was not a lot of foreigners. So no. gaijin, oh. gaijin, 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 we heard that a lot. Yeah, I know, imagine. Foreigner, foreigner. So yeah, it was a it was a matter of being stared at a lot, being followed around by giggling Japanese schoolgirls. And and I know that there's people in the United States who are into uh, you know manga and all that who might think that sounds great. Believe me, it, there's nothing worse than being followed around by giggling Japanese schoolgirls. <laughs> well, the they want to pra- practice their English. Oh, they do. This is a pen. That's the most yeah. commonly heard phrase. I, you know, this is a pen. Yeah, this I, is a pen. I went to. Uh, <laughs> I went. To, I, I took a day trip to. I'm, we're getting totally off topic here, but I don't care. Uh, I took a day trip to uh, Kyoto. Here's some Disneyland. Disneyland. Here's some Tokyo Disneyland background music for you. <laughs> but I, I went to Kyoto and I went to the you know the, the Emperor's Palace. <laughs> And oh, stop it! While I was while I was there, I, I was I was walking up toward one of the turrets of, of this castle, and I had stopped to change the film in my camera. And this this older Japanese man and a very young Japanese girl came up to me, and you know he had two or three cameras on him as well, you know the old stereotype. And he uh, he said, "Can can I take a picture of you with my wife?" And I kind of looked at him and I looked at this very young girl. I was like, "Well, you seem to be doing okay." I said, "Yeah, sure." He brings her over and sits her down in my lap. And this girl, this woman was gorgeous. You know, just a beautiful Japanese woman. And so he's taking his happy snaps and I'm smiling and I'm thinking, oh, God, you know, the blood is rushing to all different kinds of areas that that shouldn't have been happening at that time. And finally, they got up to leave and, you know, said thank you and, and moved off. And I had to stay on that rock for a, a, uh, 30, 40 seconds to... <laughs> But um, oh, there goes the rating of our yeah podcast. yeah we're gonna, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to put the explicit tag <laughs> I guess the explicit tag you no but it was it. fun it was fun let's uh, let's get back to Mac stuff by the way yes. that really was Tokyo Disneyland music oh was it. Okay, my brain is bleeding. <laughs> That's that's Splash Mountain for Disneyland. <laughs> now, Disneyland Tokyo. Now, Scott, you wanted to talk about uh, a program that 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 you're getting ready to do a review on. 
Yes, I did. Yeah, this was kind of interesting. Um, so my dad has a an iMac. He also has a MacBook Pro. And occasionally he'll ask me questions about it. And as anybody who's ever done tech support for family probably has experienced what happens when you're on the phone with somebody and, and they're looking at their screen is whatever they're seeing stops in their brain and never comes out of their mouth. Sure. It's impossible. So uh, we tried back to my Mac and it just wasn't working. He's he's in an interesting situation. The the school that he teaches at right now, he's he's using their network and it's really it doesn't let very much stuff in and out. It's hosed, in other words. Yeah. And uh, anyway, back to my Mac, not an option for him. But what I found was um, a website called LogMeIn, LogMeIn.com. And they have a service that you basically install a piece of software on your computer. And then using your login information, you go to their website, you can log in, you can see a list of computers that you've set up, and then you can connect to a computer and it'll have you type in your Mac account, username and password. And then there's also an optional uh, additional password you can set up if you want to. And once you've done that, you're basically looking at the Mac's screen in your browser, similar to a lot of other products that I'm sure people are familiar with, like uh, go to my PC and stuff like that. Um, but the nice thing about this is that there is a, uh, if you're just using it for personal use, it's free and uh, it works extremely well. And in addition to that, they've well, got it's iPhone. free. It's free for the Mac. It's free computer for the Mac. Computer. computer to computer is free. Yes. Okay. That's right. So you can, and, and another, you just brought up another good point. It also is cross-platform, so you can you can access PCs, you can access Macs, which is really nice for anybody who does tech support for their family, because obviously some people have PCs, some have Macs, or some have both, which actually my dad does. And uh, it, it's really nice for, for accessing those computers. Yeah, that's free. There's a pay-for iPhone app that you can use so that you can actually access those computers that you've set up from your iPhone. And I tried that out this morning. Boy, it works great. You've, you've, you get the app on your iPhone, you connect, and then you see the screen on your iPhone. And of course you can pinch and zoom and change the screen so that you see all of it or see that you see a portion of it, zoom in so you can see stuff. And then you move the cursor around by moving your finger around and then you've got keyboard sport. You've got oh, through the virtual keys. keyboard on the iPad. Uh, yeah, you can bring up a you can bring up a keyboard, right, just like that. But it also has uh, special ones, special keys, like the command keys and all that, so you can enter key nice. combinations as well. That's well, how the does problem it, with no, remote wait, wait desktop a second. How does software. It, how, does, how, does it ha- how does it add new keys to the keyboard? Well, they're, they're not. But what they do is when you hit the, the button for the extra keys, like the command keys and stuff like that, all it does is it brings up an overlay that has oh, oh, okay. those okay. symbols on it, and you hit them. They're just graphics. They're just buttons. They're intercepting your tap on those buttons. But it's, so, but quick it's, question, it's, Scott. Hmm? So, does this use like HTML uh, transport so that you don't have to worry about configuring firewalls or any of that stuff? Through the website, yes, definitely, because uh, it's the only thing that I've managed to get to work for my dad for for the network that he's on. Uh, so, yeah, it definitely does. But through the for the iPhone app, I'm not sure, and I actually okay. haven't tried to connect to his computers using the iPhone app yet, so I can't answer that. I've connected so, to my own computers through the internet, but. I didn't have so to I have to plug anything. then two other programs because the originator of this remote desktop kind of software, as far as I'm concerned, is a company called Timbuktu. Yeah. And, and the amazing part is they're still around. I don't know how many they sell anymore, but they are cross-platform. They have plugins for, for a number of different operating systems. They're unfortunately not free. They buy, but they are the gold standard of remote desktop access. Um, 
from computer well, to computer. By, by gold standard, do you mean they're easy? It's easier to use, or not only is it easy to use, it has it has it's been around so long and is just full of functions like. Um, you can transfer a file between computers really easy. So if I'm looking at your desktop and you go and I say, oh, you need this file, I can just drop it to you and boom, it appears on your computer. It sends it over. I don't have to use a separate program. Uh, it lets you monitor as well as control. It, let, it adds privacy so you can you know, not let other people see it or let other people see it. It has unlimited kinds of user commands. It's sort of the what place it started it, but the problem is it's expensive. It's not cheap. And most people don't need all those features. So I, I'm very curious to take a look at this piece of software. Uh, the other one I use on my iPhone and for the iPad is called Jump. Um, and I think it's not actually, if you search Jump in the iTunes stores, you don't find it. It's called Jump Desktop. And um, it's basically combined VNC, which is what Mac's remote desktop uh, uses as its protocol and RDP, which is what Windows uses for its remote desktop protocol, into a single app. And it has I've, I have sorry Scott, but I've I haven't tried log me in because it's thirty bucks. Um, but I've tried about twelve other remote desktops, and the one thing I liked about this one, like you were saying, is it You're has access about to jump. All, jump. It has access to all the other keys, which sounds to me log me in is important because. It, a lot of these things, how do you do a control or an alt or those keys when they don't exist? Right. Yeah. So that's really important. And But it also has the cleverest cursor I've ever seen. So when you touch the screen, a circle appears below and to the right of the cursor. And when you put your finger in that circle, you push the cursor upper left of your finger. Oh, so you can still see it. So you see the cursor. And then when the cursor's where you want it, ta- single tapping or double tapping in that Circle is a single click or double click. And tap and hold is click and drag. And just hold is right click. And it's and I thought that was the cleverest interface I've seen in a long time because if anyone's ever tried to do a remote desktop from an iPhone or an iPad, it can be quite frustrating. You know, Owen, you're yeah. going to have to send me uh, links to all this so I, I can put it in the show I will. notes. I, I will send you both to Jump Desktop and to Timbuktu. But I'm going to go try Log Me In because, A, it's free, which sounds really good. And if it truly gets around the the problems of firewalls, which both these other ones require that you have the ports opened, then this becomes like a winner right away because, like he said, for his dad, he's not going to walk his dad through configuring his Netgear you know, or his Linksys device so he can open it so he can look at his computer. It just will never happen. Right. Yeah, now I will say for the log me in free, you don't get the drag and drop file transfer and stuff like that. That that they don't have. If you buy they have a this, paid version, yeah, they have a paid version. You can buy seventy dollars a year, and you'll get those features. Cool. Um, and, and again, obviously, the iPhone app is uh, the iPhone app is a paid for thing, and I wouldn't expect it to work that way. But yeah, if you're using it from the desktop, you can pay seventy dollars a year, which isn't too bad. I mean, if you if you have any kind of business need at all, seventy bucks a year is nothing. How's now, the is, is, is there? Well, such? hold on a second. Is there is there software that the client needs to also install besides what's on your machine? Yeah, right. So you basically, for the machine doing the accessing, you basically don't really install anything. You do install software just for the machines that you are accessing. Uh-huh. So you set up your computer by downloading a client. It continuously runs in the background, and then you just go to the website to access those computers, and you don't have to install anything. So. The other nice, obviously, when you access them, there is something that comes up on the computer that you're accessing that says this computer is being remote controlled by 
then it gives you the account name cool. the, and the options and yeah to whether or not you want to use it or not or allow them, allow access i guess um, that. i think you can do yeah, that can you block can you block someone you can switch it off and you can quit it from that okay. computer i don't know um uh that's a good question i'd have to look in at other words but, if you try to take control of my computer and i go oh no in bad time can i just click you out oh right. i'm sure i'm sure i can't think of any other way it would work Right, yeah. you'd have to do that. Yeah, but but it doesn't by default make you get an okay from the person guy because you might be re- accessing your own computer remotely and you're not oh, there. Point. Oh, yourself yeah. Machine. You know what? I didn't even actually. Think so about that. Timbuktu has that option that says require a, you, that you answer it, which is really bad if you've left it turned on and you're trying to get back to your own computer. Yeah, it'll never. <laughs> it pops a dialogue going, "Hey, Owen wants to connect to his own computer. Uh, is that okay?" And then you're phoning your wife and go, could you go into my office and click the... <laughs> yeah. That'll never work. We <laughs> interrupt this program yeah. to annoy you and make things generally irritating. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, uh, we need to take a break, guys. We've got one more segment tonight, so everyone, <laughs> please stand by to stand by, and we'll be right back. Okay, I don't know about you guys, but I'm standing by to stand by. Am I, am I supposed to do something while I'm standing by? Then See, the noise you just heard just got mail on my iPhone. That's because I'm a huge tech fan. I'm a fan of technology, and as such, got a new podcast called, coincidentally enough, Tech Fan. My name is Tim Robertson. I'm the host of the show. We've got David Cohen, another ex-MyMac.com podcast host. So it's just a continuation of what you're hearing here on MyMac. We broaden the scope just a little bit, including not just Apple and the Macintosh and the iOS devices, but, you know, Google, Microsoft, Nokia. If it has to do with technology, we're talking about it. So I hope you give us a chance. It's TechFan. You can find a listing to it at MyMac.com. It's in iTunes, free of charge, not going to cost you a dime, unless you want to send us some money, in which case, uh, make it out to cash, and uh, just email me and I'll get you that info. Hey, it's TechFan, MyMac.com. Peace out. Yeah, that was stupid, wasn't it? Uh, I'm never doing that again. Nope, mail. The best podcast you'll ever hear is the one you're listening to right now. The Gmail on the MyMac.com podcast. And welcome back to the last segment for the evening. Uh, before we, We've got some stuff coming up that's going to be a lot of fun to talk about. But before we do that... Uh, I, there's a segment that I, I kind of want to start on the on the uh, the podcast. I, I need to you know talk this over with Gaz as well, and it's basically going to be like podcast reviews. If you're a company that has uh, a program that you would like for us to talk about, uh, basically what you'll need to do is send both Gaz and myself 
a a code for that software so that we can both look at it so we can you know talk about it somewhat intelligently as compared to what we normally do and um it needs to be the full version if your demo version is fully featured that's fine but otherwise if if there's anything related to the demo that you know it it blocks certain features like printing or or what have you that's not going to do us any good so if you're interested in having either gaz or myself or both of us talk about your product on the podcast you know go ahead and send it to us now remember if we don't like it we are going <laughs> to say so if there's problems that we've had with it that's going to come up as well um, oh, that never happens. Oh, never, 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 never. <laughs> on, a, on a somewhat different note, uh, Macworld is coming up in January 2011, and we are looking for anyone who's interested in sponsoring the MyMac.com podcast, or and actually the MyMac.com website, for Macworld. This will include daily mentions, because we do, basically during Macworld, and Owen, you know this, we did a podcast every single day, at least. Sometimes sometimes twice a day. Yeah, so you get lots of mentions there. There will be uh, plug-ins to also the website and plug-ins to the podcast also after Macworld is over. If you're interested in sponsoring MyMac.com for Macworld Expo 2011, contact us at feedback at MyMac.com. Now, uh, getting back to what I wanted to talk about very, very quickly, there's a program that I was sent, and I you know, was sent a free license for this program called Albitat Muse from Tune Presto. And this, this is actually kind of, you know, the, the concept is kind of cool. You know, you, basically, if you're editing video and you want to have some background music, typically what you'll do is you'll go into iTunes and you'll find something that, that kind of fits, and, and you'll cut off from one section to the other section, kind of make it fit in this. What this program does is allow you to custom make music for the exact length of the segment that you want it for. Cool. Yeah. Um, you can – and there's like a bunch of different instruments. There's There's a bunch of different styles of music that you can choose from. You can change the tempo the type of band, the instruments, you can add events after the composition is made. If you know, if you want to change the volume of a particular instrument or pan it back and forth, scale up and down, the choices are mostly yours within the you know the parameters of the band's instruments and the styles provided. Now, the music that it actually made sounded a little too electronic for how I you know kind of want to have <laughs> included with my videos. But I'm sorry. It's not, did it sound like no? Never mind. I won't. Well, I, actually, I was going to ask: Does it sound like MIDI, or does it sound like current electronic? You know, dance it sounds. It, so, it sounds like MIDI. Okay, but okay. what's but what's sure cool about it this? It's probably pro- MIDI instruments. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. But what's cool about this program is you can export it out as a MIDI file, and then drop that into like GarageBand. Garage band or soundtrack and change the instruments, you know, move, move notes up and down the scale, basically fine tune it. But the cool thing is it will be the exact length that you need for that particular, you know, whatever it is that you're, that you're trying to, you know, whatever the, the time parameters are that you're trying to fit it into. Now, also all the compositions are completely royalty free. So you don't have to worry about paying anyone else anything beyond the price of the program which is $99. And they include you can get this on a 7-day free trial. If your budget is a little short, you can they have a Muse Express program for $49 which does many of the same things but doesn't include the full music library. So, I liked it, but 
you know, it sounded a little electronic, but I was able to export it into another program. And, you know, it, if this is something that you're looking for, this will do the trick. I guess for people who haven't done a lot of video editing, they don't realize what a difficult problem that is, actually. Yeah. Oh, music, yeah. adding music to video is, is, can be a, a nightmare, you know. Plus, also, you figure you know, trying to use something from your iTunes library, if it's commercially available, then you run the risk of you know running into copyright problems and yep. so on and so forth. Speaking of copyright problems, Owen. Uh oh. Now this this goes back to the podcast last week, where uh, you sent me an email saying that you just finished listening to the podcast and you had to disagree to some extent with the piracy issue that, that Gaz and I talked about. Not with the issue. I, Gaz made a comment where he's and you were you were asking why don't they copy discs and cds and stuff like that anymore and and he said because it, it, it was all about making money and i and i think you guys were confusing two things together in one okay um, i don't confuse piracy with guys who write viruses and, and are trying to infect your computer or or do that stuff they tend to mimic a pirate by sticking their software in pirated software okay but there's two very different things Pirates, like the type you were talking about, are out there to sell software and make money, and that's the way they do it, period. And they move on to whatever area makes the most money, whether it be movies, DVDs, software, whatever. They just follow the dollar. The other guys, these guys who are fishing and trying to steal your information, they mimic a pirate because they put software up there on these bulletin boards and torrents that they know people want, and they infect those with their their badware, malware, right. specifically for attacking your computer. They have no intention of pirating the software. They don't and really usually care. the software doesn't even work. Well, even if it does, their whole goal is to get this, this virus on your system to, to go after your information on your system. They don't, have a, they don't give a damn how they get it there, and they're not really pirates. They just stick it into free software because someone goes, oh, look, Final Cut Pro is on this torrent, and I can get it free, and they download it. Well, I, I've got, and- I've got a, a, a direct example. When uh, Just before iWork 09 came out, right. and yeah. people... I, I was going to go there. Yeah, and people were... You know, they knew it was coming. You know, I, I don't think Apple had announced it, but it was pretty much a given that it was coming in the next couple of days. Well, there was all of a sudden on a lot of the torrent sites, there was, hey, you know, here's iWork09. You know, we, we got it from this guy at Apple that, that's not happy with them. So, you know, go ahead and enjoy <laughs> it for free. And, of course, when you go to install it, it would ask you for your password. And as soon as you installed it, you know, you were screwed. Well, worse than that, there was a real released version that also had the virus in it. So I, so There I was a release called- version from Apple? No, it was a copy of Apple's released version. Oh, with the virus in it. Okay, okay, okay. So if you, so when you took it, 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 you know, if people understood, I won't go into the the nuances of pirating, but there are ways to check what they call the MD checksum to see if the device, the the image you got is actually the one that it's supposed to be, and if they, if you would check that on anything you get for free. And most of that stuff is published. If you Google it, you'll find it's if it's modified. Just throw it away. But isn't that isn't isn't that a bit beyond what what most people are going to be willing to do if they're pirating? Yeah, software? but they make they actually make or free not pirating, but, but looking download. looking for free software. 
Look, if if you want to go download something from a torrent, it's not for me to tell you don't do it. I think, you know, if you're going to try it out, buy it. You know, support software guys if you don't buy it. They don't make anymore. I mean, it's a it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. If everybody pirates, the guys who are making it stop making it because they don't make any money. So, sure. you know, so it, it, this is a self-fulfilling prophecy in piracy. The more people pirate, the less stuff there'll be to pirate. It just sort of takes care of it. It will take care of itself eventually. But if that's what you've done because you really want to check it out before you spend three, you know, what, what did you say? Uh, what is what does CS five cost these days? Oh God! If right? you want the full right. version, so, it's like what twenty five hundred bucks. If, if so you're not if, you a, want if to you're check not a current out, user, if you if you're the kind of guy who was going to check it out and you found a place to download it, you should go search Google for these things that confirm whether they're legitimate actual images because most probably they're not and most likely they've been posted there so they can stick little viruses and trojans into your computer and that they don't care about the software they just care about infecting your computer to catch your passwords and 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 get all this other information so they can do like he said steal your bank accounts but the guys doing that are not the pirates they're it's a very different group of people and right. that's where I was, I was kind of drawing the line that he was kind of seemed to be merging them together. And, and I sort of disagree on that. They're two different things. Well, they are, I think, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Scott. I think in answer to your question, I think somebody who would be downloading stuff from torrents, I don't think it's too much to ask that they figure out how to download a, an MD some checker and right. run that. Well, I think I'm not saying, I'm not saying that, that it's not too much to ask them to do it. It's, it's a question of, is it too much to expect them to do it? And a, lo- uh, and a lot of people. Well, technically, yeah, but I mean, a lot of people that don't I, want to spend the money on software aren't necessarily. I mean, look at look at. Uh, uh, we were talking about this last week. That woman who you know is being sued by the RIAA for you know umpteen millions of dollars. She's not you know, and she basically was using a a uh, a bit you know BitTorrent software would download something and then while it was downloading would walk away from the computer. So it would finish downloading yeah. and it would, it would continue to upload to other people. She basically became uh, a cedar at that point. Well, that's what bit torrents are all about. Exactly. Right. Now BitTorrent you can turn that off if you want to, you can turn yeah, off. The ability. See, it's so not bit torrents spirit, start bit to share. Bit torrents start to share the minute you get your first block. So yeah. while you are downloading, you are uploading. And if you turn it off, most BitTorrent sites will just stop downloading to you because they notice you're not sending any data back. Right. Um, it, the, like you said, the style of BitTorrent is that you share. And BitTorrents have a lot of legitimate uses. A lot of the beta software I test gets distributed by BitTorrents sure. uh, as well because it's a great way to get it out there fast. Um, but you're right. Once you, if you're going to use, just know if you're using BitTorrents or you're using the now defunct LimeWire, which they just got shut down, or something like that, and these are programs that share the software you download, you are publishing that you've just downloaded something illegal. You're you're putting a big target on your back. Just be aware of that. By the and way, and be um, willing to pay the consequences. CNET has an MD5 checker for free. So you can just go up to CNET and check it. You can get it. You know. Okay, send me uh, the link. Tell I would... if you got some legit. Uh, you want? You really want that link? We're yeah, going to help yeah, pirates. I'll, well, no, no, but it's not a question of helping pirates. But it's something that we're talking about on the show. And if we just say yeah. go to CNET, you know, people are going to go, "What? Oh, wait, that was that was what? I don't understand." Look, I'm not. A, I'm not a fan of piracy, and I agree with everything you guys said about fair use. And and y- the problem is what the consumers want. That is, I buy it, I should be able to use it how I see fit for me. Mm-hmm. It's very different from what the media companies want. You should pay for every time you watch and or listen. I mean, <laughs> well, those yeah. are well, really they the would, two They extreme. would do that if they could. Yeah. 
that's the two extremes. And there's going to be a battle forever until somehow we find this common ground. Uh, so have I ever pirated something? I will tell you that I have bought something and then downloaded an electronic copy. Okay. Uh, because a, I don't have the disc with me at the particular time or, or I needed it on a different machine and it was on another machine I didn't have, but I don't, I, look, As a I, rule, I, I write. I write software for a living. It's what I do. So uh, I don't want people to pirate my stuff. So I'm not going to pirate their stuff. Okay. Right. I, I download samples, or, or you know, now I actually I'll call and say, "Can I get an evaluation copy?" I happen to write about software, right. so I have the advantage of doing that and get to test stuff. But if you're not sure, go to find a friend who has it, or ask questions, or read website reviews. And as and most, most, yeah, most of most of the websites, are, if we're talking about software, most of them have some kind of of demo version yeah. that you can download and, and try it out. And if it's something that you don't want, or something that doesn't quite meet your needs, or you don't want to spend the money for whatever it was that this software does, then you know, forget about it. Find you know, there's usually some kind of lower cost or or, yeah. or free alternative if you look hard enough. Torrent software and other ways of getting free software. I was helped in a research project not too long ago, maybe about a year ago, and we basically took like the top 30 popular programs that were out there, and we went and took them off of a torrent site and a download site, and about 60% of them had viruses. Okay, mm. And it's only getting worse now. So yeah, I, as it, gets, just, as it becomes saying, more sophisticated. I'm just saying, how much is it worth to download... You know, that copy of Photoshop, only to find out after you've run it for five minutes, it erases your hard drive. What's that worth to you? Or holds it hostage. Yeah, or, or start sending your information about your bank accounts to some guy. <laughs> who, I mean, I mean, there's all this. It's just, to me, it's just I, I'm not going to download a free copy because I'm just more afraid of what it might do to my computer and my personal information than anything else. I mean, that, that's enough of a deterrent right there. Yeah. Scott, do you have anything to add before we get off this subject? Uh, no, just that I agree with Owen. I mean, I think that most people aren't going to be able to tell what their program is doing maliciously. I mean, you know, it's always amazed me when friends of mine have been gung-ho on downloading software from BitTorrent sites because I've told them, you're crazy. You know, you're trusting thieves not to do something bad to you. Is <laughs> yeah. that a good plan? Yeah. You know, <laughs> Where, there's, there's a fail in there somewhere. There's somewhere there's in there a there's a failure of logic. <laughs> and, okay, I, and I will um, tell you, I, got, I have to add, though, that a computer right. company I worked for that did security software, Sure, it was real easy to put viruses into, we could do it, viruses into software, that's not what we were doing, that did not trigger virus alerts. It can be done. Sure. sure. And if you type in your password, you know, whether you're on Windows or OS ten. You're basically giving that program permission to pretty much do whatever it wants to do. You're yeah. saying, "Have your way with me." Yeah. Anyway, thank thank you. I just I had I had to get the difference in there. There was okay. a difference. Okay. Um, I got an email uh, last week. We we got something from John Nemo, and this week we have something from John Nemo. Actually, from John Nemo's wife. So uh, Mrs. John. Mrs. Mrs. Nemo. Uh, and we need to do this quickly because we're starting to run out of time. Is it, the first question is, now that the iPad is so big and powerful and versatile, why do people even need a computer when the iPad can do so much? Scott? Uh, final cut. You know, yeah. you're, you're recording a podcast. You wouldn't be able to do the things with the audio routing that you're doing on an iPad. I mean, there are there are things that you need a computer for. My, my photo library, using Photoshop CS5, doing HDR, for example, would blow away. Servers. You know. 
servers, absolutely. I, I think there's still a good use case for, and there are still some games that are beyond the capabilities. Sure. You know, as good a gaming platform as iOS is, and I believe me, I game on it all the time, there's still some games that you need a nice, you know, in my opinion, a nice desktop for. Uh, so I think, I, th- I don't think that the computer needs to go away, but I do think that for many people, uh, I would love to have my mom on an iPad and take away all her computers. It would make my life so much nicer. <laughs> give, I agree with Give that. me that computer. Give it to me. No! I agree, I, I agree 100% with what he said. I think there are cases like I run home control software, never going to run the pad. But yeah. for, for the average everyday things, I think the pad is replacing the computer. Something Scott said earlier at the conference he was at, and the one I was at, people were using pads, not computers. So for day-to-day work, I think you'll see it continue to erode away at the use of computers, but the need for computers, full-blown computers will never go away. Okay, second question. How soon will Apple be able to free the iPad from connecting to its host computer so the iPad can connect independently to the Internet for all apps, updates, and everything else? Owen? It's capable of doing it today. It's whether or not well, Apple wants it of. to. Well, and, sure, and, we, and we talked about this during the break. It's not necessarily just apple depending on your service provider i know because i've got 3g connectivity for my ipad through at&t damn you to hell and there's a 20 megabyte limit on what i can download now if it's streaming streaming is is a different matter now let me be clear i said it's capable of doing it Yes, I didn't say that big behemoth on your back called AT&T, which is on mine for my iPhone, limiting how much I can do, put some handcuffs on it. It can do it. Apple chooses not to do it for a bunch of reasons, including some security reasons we were just talking about. If it all goes through your computer and through Apple, they can control the security, and you can be pretty sure that when you update your device, it's pretty clean. The Androids already have had problems with, with viruses infecting Androids. There, I did a I did a post on my Mac. It shows a picture of a sick Android. That, it got its first virus. <laughs> I don't know if you remember that. It's, oh, it's yeah. a ways back if you search oh, there. Yeah. It's happened already. <laughs> Apple prevents that. So there's a reason for this. Well, what do you think, Scott? I think, um, yeah, I totally agree with that. I think there are some questions that would have to be answered. For example, you could have a wireless network at home and not have a computer. So... Let me make this clear. What I would like to see happen is for Apple to use their new data center or whatever to put the pieces in place so that your iOS devices could all be updated over the wire, over wireless. They could be, you know, all this stuff. You wouldn't need a computer to initially set up your device, which you do have to do now, and et cetera, et cetera. Now, again, there's some questions. I have a, uh, not the airport extreme, but the time machine, time capsule. Sure. I have to, you know, that's configured through my computer. There would have to be little things like that, that equivalently on the iOS devices so you could take care of your home network and all that. But I don't see why Apple couldn't make it so that you couldn't live without a computer. They haven't chosen to do so. Therefore, they're, you know, that's one reason why the iPad could never be a replacement computer for my mom because there's things that she would need a computer for with it. Um, granted, I mean, let's be honest, it is a computer. Yes. Right. Yes. yes. So it, right. it could have software added to it to do all those other things. Yeah. Yes. Oh, and let me let Absolutely. me ask you something real quick here. Now you're you're a software developer. Isn't I there am. isn't there a way now if if the iPad is has got like a hard hard encoded link inside of it that says only connect to Apple dot com forward slash iPad downloads or you know however they set that up you know away from iTunes. 
the files that you download, not so much music and movies, but applications, are those right. hosted by Apple or are those hosted by the individual developers? I, I believe they're hosted by Apple. I, the, the real answer is I don't know. Okay, well, actually, well let's, let's, go, let's go both ways but, on it. Let's say, let's say they're Apple, hosted by Apple. If they're hosted by so, Apple, Apple could wirelessly say, okay, I'm getting a signal from iPad 1, 2, 3. Right. It's got the correct key signature. It's asking for an update for uh, application, exactly application uh, monkey fish. So that's not that's not too far away from what happens. The reason I believe they all go through Apple is that every device has a unique ID, and and in order for that application to run on your unique device, it has to be keyed and and signed for that device. So that's actually done on the fly. You know, keep in mind they don't keep a copy for every device. So when you request a download, Apple runs it through a process that signs it for your device and sends it to you. And I don't know how much encryption is involved. I'm sure there's some, which prevents that same download from being given to someone else to run. So my guess is they all come through Apple. That's all off, off of Apple servers. Because I don't think they give the keying uh, software to third parties. I don't think it's available. I've never seen it available. Okay, so well, to answer well, your question, that, I would say it's all take, from Apple. Doesn't that take care of 95% of the security concerns? Yeah, that's why it works. Okay, and at the same time, couldn't they also have a, a key built into the iPad? And of course, you know, some people would lose their minds over this. That says, don't download anything while you're if you're running iOS four point three. Don't download anything that doesn't come from Apple dot com forward slash iPad forward slash Monkeyfish. Remember that right now the big thing is in app add-ons and and purchases and stuff and those do come directly from the, ah. the from the provider right so when i add, when well, i isn't open that a, a security hole apps, right there it is but only in the fact that they can run within that application so applications this is one of the things about quote multitasking on the on the i devices is there is absolutely no interprocess communication except through apple's operating system that they allow that says these things that happen in this application can affect that app. So even if I could write an app that downloads some kind of virus, mm -hmm. it only lives within the confine of my app. But couldn't, right? that, couldn't it, that app affect anything else that was on the iPad? Well, then I could just write the app. I don't need to download anything, right? So And so the answer is no. I don't think it can because the security of the system prevents... I can't quit your app, for example, or I can't change data in your app. In fact, in early development, it was a real pain to put a date in the calendar. That was a because we really wanted to do that. We had an application that a to do list. A friend of mine wrote, and he says, "Well, you put a to do for three days. It should put a reminder in the calendar." It was almost impossible. But I, I just one, can't dang diddly do dang do damn diddly darn do it. Sorry. <laughs> exactly. It was it was difficult, and you know that they're now creating APIs through the OS that let you do stuff like that, but they're very secure. So no, an app cannot download anything, as far as I can tell. I mean, I don't know how I would do it. That would, that would affect, affect other parts the operating of system, the system or other or other things. And it's not an app you're downloading. Now you can crack the phone, right? You can jailbreak it, sure, and then all bets are off because that lets you download from anywhere. And then it's just like an Android, and we already know what's happened with Android phones; they've already been attacked. Okay, Scott, so, what do you think? Yeah, I don't. Technically, I don't know. 
I don't know as much as, as Owen does about it, so I can't comment on the difference in security, but it seems to me like with the iOS devices, I, I wouldn't have any fear of doing everything wirelessly, let's say, over the network and, and not necessarily downloading apps through my computer. I wouldn't have any worries about it because I don't have any worries about it now when I buy an app through the through the app store on my phone. Um, okay. okay. Um, well, that's a good point, though, Scott. So yeah. the question is you have to trust the app itself. Maker. Not only the app, and but the, the app and the app, Yeah, the app itself and that Apple has done a good enough job. So, yes, right. it's possible a bad app could come there that could send data, but I doubt it would survive for very long. So, in other words, one bad app can spoil the whole bunch, girl. Sorry. No. It, it would just, Jackson, it would five, just Jackson 5 uh, reference. Apple um, has already shown that they can take an app off. Oh, you're a buzzkill, Owen. Right. I just did, I just did, I just did a whole Jackson Five there joke there and it just went I'm right sorry. over your head. I'm sorry. Damn. It. Do you have Jackson Five sound? Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. I don't. Unfortunately, <laughs> your, your Jackson Five joke is on the highway. Yeah, definitely yeah. on the highway. Yeah. Oh, it, it, I'm so sorry. I stepped right. Oh over. man. Um, I, I we buzz, are, but my sound effects are down. I think we, I think we that's are a running, great conversation though. Yeah, th- and this is something that we should look into for another show because we're running. Oh my God, we're running so long. Very quickly, let's get into app recommendations. Scott, do you have an app recommendation? I do, and I don't know if it's been done or not. It's kind of an obvious one. I know it's been done on other podcasts that I've listened to, but uh, if you don't use, speaking of security, if you don't use one password on your Mac and on your iOS devices, amen. You should, and it's beautifully uh, used with Dropbox, so that you set your your uh, keychain in Dropbox. And then you have automatic synchronization between your Mac and your iOS devices, so you don't have to worry about password duplication or different versions of keychains and all that. And uh, it's just a thing of beauty. I, I use it for all my passwords. And what it lets me do, it lets me generate secure, you know, long, convoluted, secure passwords, which um, which I can always use on my Mac easily. I can use on my iPhone easily. And if for some reason I'm accessing one of those sites on a PC at work, I can always open up one password on my iPhone and look at it and type it in. Yeah, it's not as convenient, but I have that option. And those are always encrypted. And again, between my Mac and my iPhone, synchronized and easy input, easy generation of those passwords. Beautiful thing. So one password. Explain your right click in the password field and one password just fills it in for you. Right. Absolutely. It's very cool. Okay. What about you, Owen? Do you have an app? Uh, I'm hyping orb. I hyped it earlier. I think, uh, orbs, uh, Orb Live and the new Orb Pucks they have. I, I love this thing. I now can. I don't have to worry about my AVI files or my DivX files or my or or, or MP4 flash files, files I download or, what have you. or yeah. whatever they are. It doesn't care about the format, and it's available on my tele- television now through their Puck on my iPhone and my iPad I, I, on any web browser. All that content that I keep on my Mac. Uh, you know, my music and everything is now sure. all available everywhere. I love this thing, and it's cheap. You know, nine ninety nine is is dirt cheap for that, and you can download the the streamer for free. Although you need the app to try it, I think there is a trial version if you want to go play with it. Is it just uh, called Orb? Orb dot com, I believe. I'm just going to no, double I mean, check. Is, it. This is an iPhone iPad app as well. Yeah, it's called Orb. I think they they call it. Uh, yeah, I'm just looking. I think they call it Orb. It's Orb TV, Orb Music, and Orb Live. Those are the three the three uh, things. And if you go to Orb uh, uh, Orb dot com, you can see all of them. I, I'm blown away by this. I think I've been wanting this for a long time, and Apple TV has skirted around it a couple times, and everybody is doing a piece of it. This one got it all together. The other thing I think is kind of cool is it will also let you see on your device Netflix and and Hulu 
That and, is cool. Uh, it, because what it does is it turns your device into a virtual monitor from your PC or Mac and then plays the plays the video on your device. So Hulu thinks it's playing on your PC, and they just transfer the screen as a second screen to your device, and you see it. So Pandora, Cirrus, Netflix, ESPN, YouTube, Hulu, all that stuff just now works on your iPhone. It's all there, or your iPad. It's This one is cool. I, I, I'm gonna, there's a review coming up in two days uh, or three days on MyMac.com. Look for it. I, I like this a lot. It's it fantastic. It has some bugs, but... Uh, their their guys are i mean in the time i've talked about it they've probably done another release so <laughs> <laughs> uh my my pick for the evening and this might come as a surprise is adobe's premiere elements 9 which just recently came out and now i i love final cut express and final cut pro uh but sometimes you just want to get in quick and dirty and make a movie and honestly i cannot stand even the latest version of iMovie iMovie HD was the last good version of iMovie. Adobe Premiere Elements gives you some of the features of the old version of iMovie where you have a timeline and you know the, the easy-to-get-to effects. And it also gives you multiple tracks, which is something that iMovie was never able to do. And it's also, you know, considering what this program is, it's reasonably priced at about $65 through Amazon.com. And even better, you can get it as in a uh, a combo pack with Photoshop Elements 9 for about 135 bucks. Sweet. Wow. Yep. So, I, I used to love Premiere. I almost I almost used it exclusively t- f- 10 years ago when it first came out. Yeah, but then they stopped so making I it I think only, in yeah. 2003, 2004. It went away. Yeah. yeah. Well, Scott, if someone wanted to get a hold of you, wh- how would they do so? Uh you can you can uh, get a hold of me on Twitter at scottaw and uh, that's probably the best way. Here's where I confess how big of a moron I am. I have a mymac.com email address, but I can't remember what it is. Uh, but scott.asmac, that's scott, period, H-A-S-M-A-C, at gmail.com will work just fine. M-O-U-S-E. Um, yeah, but the Twitter thing. And I also want to apologize for making the podcast run over. I'll take the blame. I'll go to work half an hour early if anybody wants to come beat me up. <laughs> Wait, not, I, I was going to take the blame. Oh, okay. Well, I'm the one recording, so it really it really comes down to it's my fault. Uh, Owen, if uh, someone wanted to get a hold of you, how would they do so? Uh, you can't get me from here. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, I'm oruben at mymac.com. I actually remember it because I use that email. Uh, and uh, I'm al- almost always on Skype as Owen Rubin, one word, O-W-N-R-U-B-I-N. Uh, and if you send to O Ruben at just about any email address, it probably will get to me because in, in the early days of the internet, I just kept grabbing them. <laughs> well, I can be reached at guy at mymac.com. And, and if you want to send Gaz an email to, 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 to tell him you, he should have been on because the podcast is running way too long, you can send that to gaz at mymac.com. And you can also reach him at twitter.com forward slash gazmaz. And you can reach me on Twitter at twitter.com forward slash macparrot. And, of course, feedback at MyMac.com. And we have a Skype number, which now somebody called in uh, earlier earlier this week, which you heard at the very beginning of the show, uh, with, with their own little uh, limerick. And if you want to send us a limerick or you want to send us you know, hate mail or love mail or whatever kind of mail you want, that Skype number is area code 703-436-9501. 703-436-9501. Nine five zero one. Please call us. We love comments on anything. 
So anyway, Owen, Scott, thanks so much for coming on this week and saving everyone the uh, the dreadful experience of me having to do this show by myself. <laughs> My Thank pleasure. Thank you very much. And uh, we'll see everyone next week. Thanks for downloading the MyMac.com podcast. Please send all feedback to feedback at MyMac.com or call our Skype number and leave a message. The phone number is 703-436-9501. If you enjoyed the MyMac.com podcast, make sure you check out the other family of podcasts, all from MyMac.com and all free on iTunes, including The Geekiest Show Ever, App Minute with Sam Levin, and Tech Fan with Tim Robertson. There was an old man from Peru who dreamed he was eating his shoe. He awoke in the night with a terrible fright and found out that it was quite true.